All right, we're going to continue our sermon series on Samson. I know some of you were coming, came last week anticipating that. Uh, we went a different direction, but now we're moving forward. And I want to get right into Samson this week, part two. We're going to look at Judges this morning. Chapter 14 is where we're going to start in our Bibles. But before I get to those scriptures, I want to kind of base a foundation for us today. And uh, last week, we, or two weeks ago, we looked at it real quick. Uh, about Samson, and, and I'm going to give you a rundown this morning, but we understand who this is. Samson, he's a guy from birth who was set apart, called and chosen by God to deliver God's people from the hands of the oppression of the Philistines. God gave Samson supernatural ability, supernatural power, supernatural strength. Inside Samson was great potential, more potential than he could or any of us could ever truly imagine. However, we learn that the problem with this man is that like many of us, a great potential that God gives us, but making decisions that bring about self-destruction again and again and again. And in fact, if we had to summarize the life of Samson, we could say it this way. Samson was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. Let me repeat that. Samson was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. Just like many of us, we have much potential. We have great abilities. We have great giftings, great strengths about us. We have callings on our lives. But yet, no matter what the God-given potential is, the decisions that we make at often show forth our weaknesses, which cause us to make poor choices. If we remember, we saw three attitudes, three attitudes about Samson, and we kind of correlated them with three attitudes of what, strong, what makes strong people weak. And the first one was this, lust. Samson had a lust problem. Now, we look at it as the, uh, in, in the sexual term when we think of Samson, but we, we almost have to take it a little step further when we look at our own lives. And we can lust. Lusting means you want something. All right? You're wanting something. You have a strong desire. You have a strong pulling toward of something. All right? Samson, we understand, left his town. Uh, the scripture tells us that he crossed four miles to go to, to, to the Philistine woman, which was completely off limits. Why? Because she was of different faith. But he had the attitude of, I want it. Then we looked at with Samson, one of the, the attributes or attitudes that made him weak was he had a spirit of entitlement. He broke the Nazarite vow, you know, which was he cannot touch anything that's unclean. We understand in his journey, what did he do? He touched a lion that was what? What was dead. So that refers instantly to something that is unclean. But as we read in the scriptures, he took it a step further, which is absolutely disgusting. All right. He reached in and took honey out of the stomach of the lion. Yeah, that's just gross. All right. And he ate it. That's, I'm not going to go. Uh, yeah. Uh, thoughts going through my mind. I'm stopping right there. All right. And then finally, we understand that he had an attitude or an issue with pride. Uh, when he wasn't supposed to go near, you know, as we saw, uh, the, the Nazarite vow says they weren't to be drunken, but we understand that he threw a party 
A lot of drunkenness happened in it, all right? So we understand that, you know, he was very, very weak, just like us, all right? When the temptation was there, and we see that through the lust, and we see that through the pride of entitlement, and we see that through where, you know, he was, you know, wanting to take of things that was against the Nazarite vow, we can kind of look at our own life and look at the spiritual disciplines and and the, the commands that, that Jesus and, and God gives us through his scriptures. But yet, we oftentimes break these very things. Well, what we're going to look at this week is a vulnerability of him, of Samson. And that is this. He lived a life that was emotion-driven and not spirit-led. Emotionally being driven and not spirit-led. Now listen. I'm, I like emotion just like everyone else. You know, I believe there's different levels, especially within the church. You know, this morning with our worship, it was, a, it was an emotional moment, but I believe it was because of a spirit-led time. But oftentimes, we allow our emotions to dictate our decisions, how we feel, what the desire might be, what we think of in the moment rather than living the spirit-led life. You know, I love emotion. Like I said, I do. I love when we can come into the house of God and experience God in a level of emotion. Standing there with our arms out, saying, Lord, whatever it is you want to do, do. Father, I love you. I worship you. Hands lifted high. Lord, I'm surrendering my life to you. I'm surrendering my everything, Lord, to you. Standing there and just maybe basking in his presence and, and allowing the emotion of the moment to roll over through us, but oftentimes we allow emotion to lead us astray. We will allow emotion to lead us in a direction that we may not want to go in or that we may regret later. I mean, think about this, and I try to live my life as best as I can this way. When something massive may hit me, I have to step away from it before I make a choice because my emotion can get involved. And believe me, there's many times, especially recently, there are many times where I wanted to make a split choice in the moment because my emotion was driving me in a certain direction. But I've learned that I cannot do that. I've learned that I have to step away from whatever is happening and go, you know what, I need to, I need to become spirit-led in this moment. I need to make a choice that lines up with the Word of God. I need to make a choice that lines up with what God's desire and plan and will is. The problem is how many of you would say that sometimes your emotion have led you to do something that you shouldn't have done. Raise your hand. I'm going to call you out because I got two of them up. Think about how many of us can honestly say that we should be led by the Spirit in all that we do, but often... We are driven by emotion. The challenge and the reality is that we're all emotional and we all have emotions. So there's really no way of getting away from that because emotions aren't bad. I mean, emotion, God said he created us in what? His image. So if we are emotional people, guess what? God is also an emotional being. So we can't sit here and completely say that emotion is wrong. 
But the problem is, is often we will make our choices ignoring the leading of God's Spirit. Rather, taking the lead of our emotion in the moment. We often act and do ungodly things rather than being led by the Spirit. And we want to do what's right, but our emotions take over sometimes. Have you ever talked with somebody and they've, they've come to you with an issue and with a problem and they said, but pastor, I, I just couldn't help myself. I just did it. I just made the choice and now I regret it. How many of us have lived the regrets? That's not fun. Living the life of regret is not fun. I hate it when I make a decision off of emotion because typically it's wrong. But I love it when I step back and then I say, Andrea, what do I do? <laughs> She's not here, but she got some credit for something good today. But think about that. We are all emotionally, we're emotional beings and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you, in your relationship, husband and wife, you must have emotion. You're emotional to your children. You know, I could be mad at my kids in one second, and they could come to me with the most pitiful look on their face and say, Dad, I'm sorry. Not Dad, but Daddy. You got to get a D in there. You know, and it breaks my heart, and I'm like, oh, then emotion takes over. But then I got to be like, but you still did wrong. We often act and do the ungodly rather than being spirit-led. I don't know how it plays out in your home. Maybe you know how you work to engage with your children, but I wonder how many times that maybe we've come home before and we've had a busy day and we've had a, a struggle in the moment. And, and, and you know, they, 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 want, they want your attention. They want to play. They want to, you know, have that daddy moment and, or, or that mommy moment. And, and you're just like, I just need you to stay away for a minute. I just, I've got to separate myself from life for just a few moments. You know, and, and I, I think about that, and, and I correlate that with God a little bit here. Not that God has a bad day, because I don't think God has a bad day. It's impossible for God to have a bad day. But I wonder how many times in my mind, that when I've gone to God and I've gone to him in a moment of sincerity and I've said, Lord, I need your help. I need your attention right here. I need you, Lord, to, I need to be the number one person in your life right now. And I think about that. And you know what God has never done? He's never failed me. God has never looked at me as my father and said, wait, I just need a moment to watch my TV show right now. You know, wait, I just need a moment to, to, to sit back in my recliner right now and I need peace and quiet right now. No, God has never acted that way toward us. God has never acted that way toward me. In fact, the way I like to look at it, and I, I speak to this into you guys every week, you're the apple in his eye. You, you are the most important person to God every single moment of every day. His attention is fully upon your life. That's how much he loves you. That's an emotion that God gives us. That's a spirit-led moment. 
Sometimes pride comes in the way of our emotions. I love Paul in the Bible, and I, I, I refer to him quite often. In Romans chapter 7, Paul says something. He says, why is it that the things I want to do, I don't do? And the things that I want, I don't want to do, I end up doing. Think about that statement. I want to repeat that to you real quick here. Why is it that the things I want to do, I don't do? And the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Well, Paul, if I were there, I could answer that for him. Stop being emotionally led and start becoming spirit-led. You know, I'm saying that scripture and I hear the, the giggle, the chuckle, the laugh. I see the head shake. I see the deer in the headlights moment. And I think to myself, well, that scripture speaks to all of us. Paul right there is, is our voice by saying, why is it I do the things I don't want to do, but I can't do the things that I do want to do? Why is it that life does that to us? Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17 says this. So I say, live by the Spirit. Can we say that? Can we repeat that? So I say what? Live by the Spirit. For so many of us, watch this, living by the Spirit. That means we are being Spirit-led. That means, Lord, lead me. Lord, guide me. For, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of what? Sinful nature. Verse 17 goes on to say, for the sinful nature... Desires what is contrary to the what? To the spirit. Sinfulness is contrary to the spirit. Remember that. And the spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature? They are in conflict with each other so that we do not do what? So that we do not do whatever you want. We are to be spirit-led in everything. You know, there's, lead me, Lord, I'll follow. Everywhere, what, you open up the door? That song, I don't remember if you, any of you remember that or not. Every day in our life, as we're walking through this life, every step we take, as a believer, we need to understand that we need to step in the footsteps that have already been laid before us through God. We need to go into the direction that he's leading and not the direction of our own heart and desire in our mind. We need to go according to his plan and not our own. I love it in um, the scripture here with, in Judges, where we're about to get into here in just a second. Samson went on and he pursued a woman who worshipped a false god, a Philistine woman. He kind of broke it down like this. This is the story. You know, he goes, hey, I want to marry her. I don't really care what God says. I don't care what my parents are saying, my father. He's in that moment there. And so he's with these guys that he threw this party with. And that's where we're going to pick up. He kind of goes to them and he says this. He's like, look, I'm going to tell you a riddle. In fact, let's put a wager on it. 
He makes a bet with 30 men. He says this, he says, I'll, I'll bet you 30 pieces of linen and 30 pieces of clothing, clothing that I can win this and you'll lose. Which to me, that's, that's pretty bad because if he loses, he's got to go and get 30 outfits and all they have to do is get one apiece. He says, in fact, I will even give you seven days to figure this riddle out. Now, let me, let me make you familiar here. When he went, what, what kind of animal is in the cat family, right, that we're talking about? The lion. And what did he do? He promised God not, what? He would not touch anything dead. But what did he do? He scooped out, what, the handful of honey of the dead lion. So verses 14 of Judges 14, here's where we're going to go. He says this. This is the riddle. Out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. What he's talking about here is the lion and the honey. Scripture says that the Philistine men, they couldn't get the answer. They could not figure it out. So they were angry and they were losing. So they went to the woman who was going to be his wife to get up with her. And this is what they said. To trick him, to get the, the what? The secret out of him. Verse 18, if we could go there, it says this. Before sunset on the seventh day, the men of the town said to him, What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? Samson said to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, that's just weird terminology, <laughs> you would not have solved my riddle. Guys, let me, add, let me help you out here. Do not call your wife a heifer. Because watch this. In the Hebrew, the word heifer still means heifer. There's no hidden meaning here. <laughs> Samson caves into the weakness. We understand that he's got a problem here. And he becomes overcome with an emotion that many of us get overcome with often. And that is anger. Anger. Verse 19 in the middle of the verse, it says, Samson went down to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of their belongings, gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. So what did he do? He fulfilled what he was supposed to do, but he did it by what? Killing more, striking down more men, taking innocent lives, 30 of them. This is anger. This man has a problem. Scripture says that he was burning with anger and he went up to his, what, father's house. Verse 20. And Samson's wife was given to the friend who had attended him at the wedding. Now, this is getting, this is like movie stuff. Let me kind of catch you up here. He goes to these guys that are 30 friends that he's got. And he's thinking, you know what, I'm going to get some clothing here. I'm going to give these guys a riddle. He gives, them, he gives them the riddle thinking it's impossible for them to answer it. So he goes to them and he gives them the riddle and they come back and well, they get the riddle. They're, for three days, scripture says that they're pondering and they're trying to figure this riddle out. 
None of them could figure it out, so they got the bright idea. We're going to go to the woman. She'll squeal. That was to help you guys out, gentlemen. So he goes. He makes his, they make their way to the woman and say, look, you're either going to tell us or we're going to kill you. You and your dad. You're going to be dead. So what does she do? Boom. She gives the answer. Tells exactly what it meant. So they come back and they tell Samson what the riddle meant. And he gets mad. So mad. He's like, great, now I've got to go. I've got to go and, and, and get this, fulfill my end of the deal. So he goes and he kills 30 innocent men to get their outfit. Now, while he was in this fit of rage, while he was out doing that, who knows how long it took to kill 30 men? I don't know. Scripture doesn't give us a timeline here. But it's wedding day. It's the wedding time. I could just see it now. This is my add-on, okay? I can see it now. People are there. They're, they're waiting for the, for the wedding to happen. and No Samson. Nowhere to be found. Just this woman who's supposed to be married today. The dad's probably spent whole kinds of money on this wedding and, you know, uh, banquets and all this stuff and finds the next best thing. Hey, you, marry her. You know, bad decisions equal bad results, don't they? Think about that for a minute. Bad decisions equal bad results. He says, I'm giving her to another man, and that's exactly what happened. Can you imagine now? Samson, the hothead, comes back. His smoking hot wife-to-be is now with another man. So this guy's got a really bad track record going on right now. Things are not lining up for him. He's having a bad week. Here's what it says. He went out. He's so mad. As you read on in the story, he got 150 pair of foxes. Tied their tails. How do you even tie tails together of foxes? Think of how do you even do that? Ties their tails together. Puts a torch in between their tails. Lights the torch. I can't even grab my dog's tail. You know? Lights the torch and then lets them loose into the Philistine fields where they're growing their crops. Can you imagine the chaos that's happening? 150 pair of foxes with fire in between them running around like crazy. Because of why? Samson. Had an anger issue. Burning all their fields and their crops. Well, guess who's mad now? The Philistines. So here's what they did. They went. This lady's having a bad day. First of all, she's being threatened with her life to give up the secret. Gives up the secret. Goes to her wedding. The groom's not even there. Then dad says, you're going to marry this guy instead. Who knows what he looked like? Are you following me? Now, Samson is in a fury. He sets out all these foxes that are destroying crops of the Philistines. And the Philistines come knocking on her door. Scripture says that they went, they burned. Who, 
Samson should have married and her father, killing them. Now we see what's going to happen many times in, in, in Scripture here. Samson's emotions drive in him. Anger cost him as it often costs so many of us. Think about this for a moment. Remember the last time you were furious, angered, and you reacted in it. Maybe not in the moment you didn't feel the regret, but maybe it drove you to make a decision that later on you went, maybe that wasn't right. I should have stepped back from the situation for a moment and allowed God to be what? Spirit-led rather than being emotionally driven. Your decisions not only affect you, but also those around you. Here's a challenge for many of us in anger or negative, difficult moments. Example, if someone embarrasses you, you know, what, what do you do? How do you feel? What is the emotion that overcomes you? Is it, you know, I'll show them or I'll get back at them or, you know, <laughs> vengeance might be God, but I'm going to step in and let it be me right now. When someone hurts you, what is your response? Are you allowing yourself to be driven by the emotion of the moment? Or are you allowing yourself to step back and say, God, you lead me in this moment? What did Samson have to be angry about? A good bit, I would say. But most of what he was angered about was what? What he chose. After all, what? He was the one who went and pursued the wrong woman, wasn't he? He was the one who decided to marry her. He is the one who ignored, what? His parents' advice. He is the one who taunted the Philistines, what? With a riddle. He is the only one who knew the secret. He's the one who gave what? The secret away. He's the one who left his wife at the altar to go kill people. That's just. He's the one who burned the villages and the crops down with foxes. In other words, he's mad at the world. But the reality is the mess was created by his choices. We can all be mad at our circumstances and we can all be mad at where we are in life right now, but we need to step back and go, who made the choices to decide where I'm at? Chances are, it was you. So often, I mean, it could be anything, you know, I, I'm not happy with my boss, uh, I'm, I'm not happy with my spouse, um, I'm not happy with how my kids are acting and how they are living their life, and I'm not happy, and I'm not happy in my church, or I'm not happy uh, with my close set of friends, or I'm not... Whatever. And anger can bottle up a lot. So much so that, you know, it's like a pressure cooker. You know, I, I, back in high school, I was a chicken fryer. I fried chicken for a restaurant. I absolutely hated that job. It didn't last long. I, quit. I walked out one day. I said, I can't take this. I just left. But I remember, and, and, and I would have to, Put the chicken, some of you know, know what I'm talking about here. Put the chicken in the baskets, drop it. Then you had like a vault door, went down, turn it, lock it in there, wait for the timer to go off, and then you, you do undo the door, and, and then it like, all that steam would come up, you know what I mean? All that pressure would what, release. And then you'd pull the lid up, and you had some lovely fried chicken. 
that clogs your arteries, right? Well, here's our problem. We allow our anger to bottle up and to bottle up and to bottle up and to bottle up so much. It's kind of like that pressure cooker, that deep fried pressure cooker, whatever it was called. And, and what, you know, the alarm goes off and it's, it could be the very littlest thing could set it off. And we undo that and that's, that pressure just goes boom. And next thing you know, we make a snap decision to say something or to do something. And not far later, we regret what we have done. Has anybody been there? Absolutely. See, it's not like that chicken. That chicken's good. But when we allow the pressures of life, when we allow the pressures of just our our relationships and, and the workplace, when we allow all of this to just build up and build up, it causes us to explode. And then we react emotionally rather than spirit-led saying, God, lead me in this moment. I can't control the circumstances around me, but what I can control is how I act or react according to the circumstances around me. You know, I may not like what my kids have done. I may not like what my spouse did. I may not like what my friends have chose. I may not like the circumstance around me, but it doesn't mean... I need to, to, a wrong, correct it with a wrong, because that's going to get us where? Nowhere. All that is going to do is create another mess in our lives, something larger, something bigger, and we're going to live a life of what? Regret. It's kind of like that moment where, you, you know, the, the dog's tail tucked between the legs, going back to the, I'm sorry. I hate that. I hate when I have to go back to my wife and be like, you're right, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Doesn't happen often. You know? I hate when I have to go back, you know, to my to my kid and say, you know what? Shouldn't have acted that way. I'm sorry. I hate when I wrong a friend and have to go up to him and say, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. But if we would learn if we would learn to step back for our moment and allow God to deal with our heart and our mind in those stressful moments instead of acting and reacting, kind of like Samson did. I mean, think about this. Judges, if it weren't for Samson's mess-ups, judges wouldn't have a whole lot in there. So we, we learn quite a bit. The first problem is that we, have, we are burning with anger, but the second one with Samson was this. He was filled with pride. Still dealing with his anger, he goes out because of the strength that God had given him. What does he do? Verse 15. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Wow, what a moment. I mean, could you imagine in that moment what was going on? We see under the power of God, all credit going to God. Samson takes down a thousand men. There's nothing impossible with us with God. If God wants it done, what has happened? It gets done. Verse 16 goes on to say, Then Samson said with the donkey's jawbone, I 
have made a donkey of them. With a what? Donkey's jawbone. The problem here is this. I. I said this Wednesday night. Do not confuse your resource and your source. Your source is God. Your resource is whatever God gives you to help you out in your moment. You didn't create the resource. God created the resource. We see in the scripture a very arrogant man. He says, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men with a donkey's jawbone. I have made a donkey of them with a donkey's jawbone. He goes on to say this. I have killed what? A thousand men. Pride. Allowing pride to creep in. Remember, pride is always born out of insecurity. Someone looking for validation of the actions that they have done. If you are confident in what you have done, you don't need validation from any person. If God is your source, you don't need validation for the decisions that you have made. You can be assured that if God is your source and he has provided you with your resource, then you are making the right choices. But if we find ourselves to say, look what I have done. Look what I have accomplished. Look at the great feat that I have overcome. Look at the storm that I got myself through. Look at the valley I moved myself through. The psalmist David said, you know, when he was in the valley, he kept his eyes on the Lord. The whole time. The Lord is my shepherd. What? I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. Everything that I've accomplished and done in life is not to the success of Kevin Stanley. But everything that I've ever accomplished in life is the success of God the Father. Every trial I've come through is not because I talked to the right person or got the correct advice from someone else. It's because God ordained it and provided it and gave it to me. Everything I have from the clothes on my back to the vehicle I drive, the home I live in, the great church that I get to pastor, everything that I have comes from God and God alone, not by man. God may have used man. But man is not God. Think about that. When we don't know who we are in Christ, pride becomes the first emotion that will rise up and potentially take us down. Scripture tells us that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Scripture also reminds us that pride comes before what? A fall. And the flip side is equally dangerous. Look at me. Look what I have done. I don't want to ask for help when I'm in need. I don't want to know where I'm weak. We often say that to ourselves. We question ourselves. I don't want to know where I'm weak. I don't need help. Why? Because, again, pride creeps in. Many of us right now, we might say, you know, I'm... I'm, I'm I've messed up, I've, I've blown it, um, I've, made, I've made bad choices. There are many of us right now that in our life, maybe you're, you're living a secret darkness that, that is 
shackled you up for a period of time that you worry about all the time. You know, if they find out, if they found out, if anybody knew about what I go through. Many of us look at something that we've done and we think, you know what, there's no recovery from it. I've already done it. I can't get, I, I keep failing all the time. I can't rebuild, you know, I've lost the trust uh, of my kids or my spouse, uh, of friendships. Listen, you're in a need and if you acknowledge your need, listen to me, if you're, if you're in a need, if you acknowledge your need to a holy God, that you in your life, this could be the greatest day of your life. If you let your need drive you to God, God will meet you in your deepest need. That's powerful. If you let your need drive you to God, God will meet your deepest need. Verse 18 and judges here that we're looking at. It says, because he was thirsty, he cried out to the Lord. No longer in this moment is he, is he full of pride, but he's actually showing humility. He says, you have given your servant this great victory. Notice how everything changed. You have given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? And then verse 19. Then God opened the hollow place in Lehi. So we see a, a miracle here. I wonder, God being the main character now, not Samson, not the wife, not the friends, not the lion, not the honey, not the jawbone, but now God is becoming the source. Water came out of it when, and then when Samson drank, his strength returned and he was revived. I want you to stand with me this morning. I want you to understand this statement that I'm going to give to you. When you return to God, your strength will return. But not your strength. Rather, it's his strength and your weakness. And you will be revived. When you let your need drive you to God, he can meet your deepest need. Now, I'm not going to stand here today. I'm not doing an altar time for, for you know... You know, who needs a jawbone to strike down your enemies? Because that's not the case. I, I'm, I'm not, you know, we're not looking to, to, to find a, a, a dead lion on, on the causeway as you leave and scoop out honey or anything like that. The end of the story talks about a need that he had and God yet still provided when he became humble. I don't know what your need is today. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's emotionally driven Need Maybe it's a spiritual need. Maybe it's a physical need. Maybe it's a need with your children, a job, or your spouse. I don't know what your need is today. This is where we're going with this. I don't know what mess you've gotten yourself into because maybe you have made choices off of emotion rather than allowing God to lead you in his spirit. You know, I don't know where you fall in in that place. Are you a spirit-led person? I would like to think we all are, but we are all also fall victim to being emotionally led at times. And the emotional leading leads us into despair, leads us into fault and failure, leads us into disappointment, leads us into struggle. I don't want that for my life. 
And I definitely don't want that for your life. I don't know what the struggle has been for you. I know many of you this week have come to me and you're struggling, and I get it. I know you're struggling, and I understand the struggle. But what I don't understand is that making decisions off of emotion, what we need to do is to make our decisions based upon the Word of God and the leading of His Holy Spirit. That's what I want for my life every day. I want when God looks at me and goes, that's an individual that trusts my word, trusts what I'm saying, and allows me to lead him. I don't want God looking down at me and going, man, this guy, he's a train wreck. You know, he, he has a hard time deciding, whether, do I, is my nails long enough or short enough? Do I cut them or do I keep them? I want God looks at me or looks at you and says, that's an individual who's being spirit-led every day. Yeah, they might have problems. And look, you're not going to get away from problems. You're not gonna, some problems are going to be really hard. And some problems aren't going to mean a whole lot. They're going to be really easy. And then you've got everything in between. But I'm telling you, just as Samson did in that moment, he became humbled and he went to the Lord with his need. And what did God do? God answered. What is your need this morning? What do you need God to do? What is it that's been on your prayer list for the last five years? Or maybe just week? What is it that you've been going to God saying, God, I, I, I need this. I need you. I need you to get involved in this moment. See, I believe that when we get to the spot where we humble ourselves and we realize, you know what, maybe, just maybe, the season I'm in is because I've allowed myself to make choices and decisions that aren't lining up with his purpose, his plan, and his will for my life. And that's causing me to be in the place that I'm in. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask that, this question. Nobody looking around. Who could honestly tell me, Pastor Kevin, that's where I'm at right now in my life. I have a need, and I need God to answer it. Would you just lift up your hand? Hands all over this room going up. You're not alone. Yeah, we sing that, script, that song, you're not alone. You're not alone. God's with you. You're not alone. Jesus is with you. You're not alone. His Holy Spirit is with you, leading and guiding if you would just allow it. Allow it. But Father, I thank you for this day and I thank you for every person that's in this room. I thank you, God, for the honesty, Lord. I thank you for the openness, God, that you have given us through your scriptures, through your word this morning, understanding, Father, Lord, that you're our strength, that you need to be involved in every one of our decisions every single day, that, God, you need to help us that we may be spirit-led rather than being emotionally driven. God, I want to know that every choice and every decision that I make from this moment going forward, I'm allowing your spirit to lead and to guide me and to direct me according to the path that you have set before me. God, I don't want to go off the path. I don't want these individuals this morning here to go off the path. 
I want us to keep our focus solely upon you. Walking in the direction of your spirit. Walking in your will. Walking in, Father Lord, your desire and plan for our life. So God, help us. Whatever the need is this morning of your people. And Lord, I believe every person in this room has a need. I believe there's a struggle. There's some in here who cry themselves asleep at night. Some who don't even sleep because of worry and fret. Some in here who can't even eat because of the pressures of life. There's some in here who question their their relationship with you. Lord, there's some of those in here who, who are wondering, can they even make it to the next day? Much less the next moment, the next breath. God, there's people in here who who worry about their children, the direction that they may be going in. Some in here are worrying about their spouse, the actions of them. Some people are, are going through depression and the loss of a loved one and they're struggling with it every day. There's people in here who have lost friendships and it's bothersome to their spirit. So God, there's real needs in this room right now. And for us to say, Lord, here's our need, it's like, well, you already know it. So God, instead of saying, here's our need, Lord, here's what we say. Here I am. Here I am, Father. Here I am in this messed up state that I'm in. And all I can say is I need you. I need you in everything. Every decision, every emotion, every choice, every heartache, but also in every victory and every joy. So God, you see your people that are here this morning. You've communicated your word. You see the deepest need. So God, now answer. God, now just as you did with Samson and just, Lord, as you do all throughout your scriptures, God, where you do the miraculous in the lives of those who have faith and trust and integrity in who you are and loyalty and self-discipline, self-control. Just as you answered those needs through these scriptures, God, we are also your people who are very real in our need. And we're saying, God, answer us. Meet us here in our deepest need. So God, do this work in Jesus' name. So Father, this morning as we leave this place, our prayer should be, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And Father, we ask a blessing upon our offering and our giftings and our giving to you and our tithing. May it continually, Lord, be to grow your kingdom in Jesus' name. And the church says, amen Amen and amen. We love you and look forward to seeing you again. Have a good day.